Welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham. This week, we're going to be in one of my favorite books of the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. Now, why is it among my favorite books? Well, it's part of the original Torah, uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. These are the books that lay out the relationship between God and God's people. Basically, it includes the law of Moses. And the book of Leviticus, uh, some people consider it kind of repetitious, and certainly it's a book that's a very specific kind of book. The Levites were the priests, the priestly class in the Hebrew society. They were the rule makers, the rule keepers, the guardians of the rules. These were the people who was who were going to make sure that everything was done properly. And the book of Leviticus is all about doing things the right way. So when you look at a book like this, uh, the first question I ask myself is how many times do I need to hear something? How many times is it going to take for me to learn a lesson? Uh, one of the things, if you've spent any time in the classroom, as I have, you realize that students are not going to pick up on everything you say the first time you say it. And when I'm teaching a class in journalism, we talk about the basic principles of reporting, something like that. And we go over material that sounds very similar to what we've had two or three weeks earlier. I remind the students that I'm not repeating myself because I'm forgetful. I'm not repeating myself just to fill time. I'm repeating myself for emphasis. And I believe that's probably how the Levites felt. Uh, as they compiled this book of rules uh, to put within the the Torah, the uh, first five books of the Bible. They knew that there were laws, there were rules and regulations. They had to be followed in order to make God happy. And so many of the verses we're going to look at today, uh, you can say, well, they've already said that. That's, that's in the Ten Commandments right there. Sure. But really, we're going to see, I believe, in these verses out of the 19th chapter of Leviticus today, that the motivation behind these actions is what's so important. Again, why do we study these books today? We don't follow many of the rules. We certainly don't have the animal sacrifices. We certainly don't have many of the items of worship that were quite common in Hebrew society. But it wasn't so much the activity as the motivation behind it. And that's what we're going to look at as we go through the 19th chapter of Leviticus today, the first 18 verses, that is, of these. Um, the heading of this particular lesson is not all that promising. In the NIV, the version I use, this chapter is headed Various Laws. So it's like a uh, just a collection of various things. But really, there is a point, and we'll come to that point at the very end of the lesson. It sort of ties it all together uh, with a neat bow. And it, the chapter begins also in a very inclusive way. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. So this is not going to be a set of rules uh, that's going to apply to just one individual 
or even one small group of, of individuals. This is a message that's supposed to go out to the entire assembly of Israel. Everybody is included in this. Uh, one of the things about, as we read through the Old Testament, and we see the trials, tribulations, uh, the adventures of the Israelites, uh, is they're doing this as a group. And uh, today, of course, we unite ourselves within various churches, congregations, things like that. So there is the corporate side of our religion. Often today, we think of our religion as a very personal uh, time, a, a very personal thing. And certainly during the pandemic, we haven't been able to be together as a unit uh, as much as, of course, we would like to be. But we're reminded here that what God is going to ask of the people of Israel is going to be for them to do as a unit. And he's asking the people to be holy. Well, the logic is pretty sound here. God is a holy God. That's why we worship God, because God is holy. And God expects holy people to worship a holy God. So we have to have something in common here. Well, what does the word holy mean anyway? Well, there are a lot of different ways of looking at it, but generally it's something that is set apart, something that is sanctified, something that is special, something that isn't common or ordinary, but is devoted to a higher purpose. The Holy Bible that we are reading from, uh, we, as the, the verse says, God is a holy God, something that is pure, something that is divine, something that is removed from the common uh, sins and, and tri trials and tribulations of humans, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Verse 2, each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Now, again, we're going to talk about the individuals, because all of these rules, while they are being given to the entire congregation of Israel, while they are meant for this a large group of people, they're also expected to be kept individually. And this one is perhaps one of the most important ones. Uh, the nation of Israel didn't have a social security system. When people retired, when they were no longer able to work, basically, retirement was not uh, the same in those days. They just got to the point where they were physically unable to spend all day in the field harvesting or planting or doing whatever uh, their task was. It was the responsibility of the family to look after them. So social security in ancient Israel meant family taking care of family members. This is why in the Ten Commandments, uh, when we are told to honor our fathers and mothers, this is a responsibility. It's part of their society. You must observe my Sabbaths. The idea of the day of rest, the day that God has asked the or has told the Israelites not to work, but to set that day aside for praising God, worshiping God. All of these things are built in. They're baked into the whole concept of their religion. Verse 4, do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. Now, once again, I am the Lord your God being repeated for emphasis. It's not like they're going to forget it from verse 2 to verse 3, verse 3 to verse 4. But this is God putting God's stamp on why this is such an important deal here. 
Don't turn to idols. Uh, have they done that in the past? Yes. Are they going to do it in the future? Yes. Uh, there's just something about the ancient people and their idols uh, turning to superstition, turning to things they think are going to bring them good luck or good fortune. Uh, that's just human nature, and that's something that they have to uh, be on guard for, and it's going to be a problem for Israel uh, long after these verses have been written down for them. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It should be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because he has desecrated what is holy to the Lord. That person must be cut off from his people. Now, the Bible has a lot of rituals, these sacrifices. This is basically um, a fellowship offering, a peace offering, asking God to take care of them. And uh, some of us are more particular than others, but I'm one of those people who looks at expiration dates. Uh, so, if the carton of milk says this milk is bad, well, I, I trust the people who put those labels on there. Clearly, expiration dates have a biblical antecedent here. Here it comes from. You can eat it the first day, the day it's sacrificed. You can eat it the next day. The third day, don't do it. And this probably has some very practical results too, uh, practical applications, because they didn't have refrigerators and if they had a meat sacrifice after a couple of days, it's not going to be very good. And so these people faced uh, not only the punishment of the Lord, but maybe some other problems as well. Verse 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings for your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Now, this is one that's not specifically given in the Ten Commandments, but it is something that is mentioned later in the Bible and something they were expected to do. Uh, if you had to put it in a very simple terms, don't be greedy. Think about others. Because if you're lucky enough to have a field that you can harvest, if you're lucky enough to be able to go out and collect food for your family, don't be selfish. Don't be greedy. Remember, there are going to be some people who, for whatever reason, uh, were not able to plant or didn't have the land or had other crop failures or, or various things happen to them. And they're going to need a place to go just to be able to get some food, to literally go through the field and just reap a little bit. So don't go all the way to the edge. Leave a little bit for others. Collective responsibility is the purpose here. Leave them for the poor and the alien, because they had people who were traveling through their lands. They had uh, immigrants going from one place to another because of famines, because of wars, for many of the same reasons why people immigrate today. And the nation of Israel, uh, they are told elsewhere to remember that they also themselves were a nation of immigrants, and they shouldn't be greedy. They should be concerned about others. Verse 11, 
Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. So, so many of these just have to do with practical living. Don't be a jerk. Don't be the kind of person who cheats, who steals, the kind of person whose word is not uh, trustworthy, who's not believable because you lie so much. Um, don't defraud your neighbor. Don't rob people. I mean, don't do these bad things. Once again, we're leading up to a point in a moment. And especially, especially don't be nasty and bad to people whose circumstances are much worse than yours. The idea of putting a stumbling block in front of a blind person or cursing the deaf, I assume that means uh, because they couldn't hear you, you might be smiling and they think you're saying something nice, but you're actually saying something bad, is the worst possible thing to imagine. Why? What kind of person would you be if you deliberately took advantage of or harmed people uh, who were disabled like that? Verse 15, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Well, right now, during the pandemic, we've all been given a responsibility to look after ourselves and to look after our neighbors, to be careful, social distancing, wearing masks, avoiding large crowds, all these things, uh, you could say, when we do those things, if we do them carelessly, uh, we may be endangering the lives of our neighbors. Certainly, we're endangering our lives and the lives of our families. Uh, don't pervert justice. There's only one group of laws. There's not like a book of law for poor people, which it goes against them, or a book of laws for rich people, which would favor them. That's not right. When a person has a grievance, that person should be able to be treated fairly, whether they um, are able to afford to bribe uh, the judge or not. Uh, they should get equal treatment in that case. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. So all of these things are telling the people of Israel to live together as a family, a holy family, a holy family devoted to God. But as I said at the outset, there's a reason for all this. There's a motivation behind this. If you had to take all of these verses, uh, so far 18 and a half verses that we've read today, and sum it up in one basic principle that would be memorable, that would be something that would be easy to sort of hold on in the back of your mind when you're thinking about doing something bad. Well, it's right here, the second half of verse 18. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And that's pretty much it. Jesus sums all this up 
So much of what Jesus teaches us is a summary. It's an encapsulation. It's taking the essence of the motivations behind these laws and not holding on to the rituals, the animal sacrifices, the things that we don't do anymore, but trying to live a holy life. And that's it right there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, in fact, cites this passage uh, when he's asked uh, about the laws and the commandments, and this is the way he sums them up. And nobody could do a better job of summing it up than he could. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to be holy people. It's not an easy task. There are many temptations uh, to do things that are not holy in your sight, but help us to avoid those temptations and to remember that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Christ's name, amen.